We're going to be in Luke chapter 1 today, so we're actually not quite getting to Christmas. Luke chapter 2 is where Jesus is born, but um, we're going to be in Luke chapter 1 because it fits in the, the Christmas season. And uh, if you want to grab a Bible and turn there, we're going to hear some stories of when heaven was breaking in to earth, when, uh, when God was, was, was doing something that he had planned for a long time, but for whatever reason, that was the right appointed time for him to visit in the incarnation. And, uh, and we're going to get to see how it took place for a couple of the people um, in this story. So it's a lot of fun. But basically, one of the key phrases in this uh, first chapter of Luke is, Blessed is she who has believed the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. And man, that phrase, it just sounds good on a Hallmark Christmas card. But there is some work um, to believe the Lord will fulfill his promises to us. That is not necessarily a natural inclination for us. However, we often start out that way. There was a girl a month ago, so four Sundays ago, um, she came up for prayer because she had been through a year-long battle with some sort of undiagnosed um, like nerve issue, and it was resulting in her having a lot of pain in her feet, and by the end of the day, the pain was so excruciating and she had lost um, lots and lots of weight because she wasn't able to eat because she just never had an appetite. And her, her mom was really concerned. And I mean, they were saying there's nothing we can do. We don't know what's going on. And, and she was looking like she was on her way to, you know, withering and even possible death. And, um, and the, the heaviness was, was real as the mom came forward for both her and, and the daughter who's 10 years old. And uh, they asked us to pray. So we prayed over her. Um, that the Lord would meet with her, that she would hear the Lord's voice, um, and that he would heal her. And uh, two weeks after that, so this is two weeks ago now, um, I had asked them to come, come um, after service uh, to, to up to the front when we were going to have our elders actually lay hands and pray on them. Which, by the way, if you're in any situation and you would like our elders to lay hands on, on you and pray, like the scriptures tell us, they are always happy to do that. We'll even do it through Zoom these days, which is kind of funny, but um, we're doing some of that right now. And, uh, but anyways, we prayed, for, we prayed for her. Two weeks later, she came back, and she was kind of like, like walking up like this. And I was like... Where did the heaviness go? Something's going on. And uh, she came up, and she just looked right at me, and she was like, hey. And I was like, how's it going? And she said, well, you, when you guys prayed for me two weeks ago, I've just felt better ever since. And, and I'm eating all the time now, and the pain, there's still just this little bit, but it's, it's mostly gone. And, it, and for her, it was just like, she was, she was talking to me as like, like, that, like, I, like I expected that. <laughs> so I had to say, like... Like, <laughs> confession time. And I was just like, okay. And so then I just started asking more and more questions. And, and I think she was kind of like, why, why are you asking me so many questions? Isn't this the way it works? And again, I wasn't trying to steal anything from her because that's really what was happening for her is that she believed the Lord would fulfill her promises and she experienced a blessing in that. And her mom, you know, you could see her carrying two things. One going, this is, this is bona fide, miraculous. I can't tell you how happy I am. But at the same time, her heart guarded and unsure and thankful and wonderful. This is so great. And uh, I still don't quite know, you know, humanity. 
our hearts have been conditioned because we live under the shadow of death um, to not believe. So believing is actually really difficult. And we're going to talk about that today. So first of all, we're going to look about how the, the heaven was breaking in. Jesus, the beginning of Jesus showing up in Luke chapter 1, verse 11, to a guy named Zechariah. It says, then the angel of the Lord appeared to him, Zechariah, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. He's a priest and he's in the temple. When Zechariah saw him, the angel, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, your prayer has been heard. Now again, this guy I can relate to. He's a priest. He's actually a real special, unique priest who's able to go into the Holy of Holies on the Day of Atonement. He's able to go in and, and, and kind of by himself enter through all of the holy places in the temple that no one else is allowed to go into. And he goes in there and basically he's, he's kind of entering into that place to draw near to God, to offer up the prayers, to basically kind of represent the people of God to God and receive whatever God has for the people. And then he brings it out and he, he declares it over the people. Their sins are forgiven, or here's the message from the Lord. So this is the process that he's going through. And when God shows up, he doesn't know what to do with it. He was not expecting God to show up. Human heart. Makes me feel a little better. Um, and he's gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, do not fear, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. Whoa. He will bring back many people to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children, it's beautiful. And the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous. It's beautiful. And he'll make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So this is, this is an awesome promise. I mean, this is beautiful, beautiful stuff. He's a priest, by the way. So like this is all he's longed for, and this is what he got into this kind of priesthood business for, is to see these things happen. And, and the Lord's saying, you're going to have a son. He's going to be special. He's going to be unique. And he's going to do some really, really cool things. But, you know, what we don't know is um, right before this, we're told in Luke chapter 1 that he and his wife were really, really old. And uh, they've tried to have a son. They tried to have a daughter. They tried to have a, a baby for a long, long time, but have been unable to. And now they're past the point at which they even try anymore. And so when this angel comes to him and says, you're going to have a son, I don't think he heard the rest of that stuff. <laughs> I think right there is when he got stuck. Because look at his response. Verse 18, Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? Like, what sign can I have to let me know that this is some sort of supernatural thing that God is going to do? <laughs> it's like, you're talking to an angel right now, my friend. <laughs> but I think what, the reason he's saying this is because for so long his heart has hoped 
and been disappointed. Hoped and disappointed. She's pregnant. Now she's not. She's pregnant. Now she's not. Maybe don't even tell me anymore, Elizabeth, when you're pregnant. Because it's just too hard for my heart. And maybe there's been other times where Elizabeth had hoped because of different situations or reasons, or try this or this, or maybe this. And she's hoped and disappointed. To where now when Zachariah hears an angel of God meet him in the temple and tells him he's going to have a son, he says, how, how can I be sure of this? Because his heart is so nervous to hope again. And maybe he's guarding his own heart, but maybe he's guarding his wife's heart as well. He's saying, I can't go home and tell my wife this. It will devastate her to even try and hope again. Welcome to the human heart. The angel said to him, um, how can I be sure? Sorry, Zachariah responded. He said, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. That's a good way to put it, just in case you're wondering how to call someone old. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. Like, am I not enough for you, Zechariah? What are you looking for? But he says, and now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. And though this seems like a punishment when you read it, and, and in some ways it, it probably was, this was also another supernatural sign that God had showed up. And when Zechariah was not able to speak, not only was his wife going, okay, this is something special, but all the people around in their family, when they realized he couldn't speak, they were like, God must have visited him. Something is going on. And so it was actually another sign that the Lord in his grace was giving to them um, that came to a, a cool culmination, which we'll get to in a little bit. Next, let's look at Mary. Mary, the mother of Jesus, let's look at her response as heaven breaks in, as, as the beginning of Jesus showing up comes to her in verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, Elizabeth was Zachariah's wife, God sent the angel Gabriel, same angel, to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And Mary's response. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. <laughs> Which honestly is hilarious. Because did you hear the greeting? Greetings, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Like how can that be a bad thing? Maybe she's had a lot of used car salesmen come by recently or something, or she's getting a lot of those cold calls. Hey, how are you? I hope everything's going good. Yeah, we should be best friends. Can I sell you something? Um, but when the angel shows up to her, she's greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. And, uh, and then she goes on in the, in the response. She, you know, the angel basically explains what's going to happen, that she's going to give birth to a son, and he's going to save the world from their sin, and he's going to be the Messiah, real messianic language, which should be echoing in her ears as a young Jewish woman. And her response is, how will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? And so she questions the possibility, the validity of what could happen or how this could happen. And uh, 
So in this human response to when heaven is breaking in, when the good news that the world has long been waiting for, when Jesus is breaking through into our world, the human response is fear and doubt, troubled hearts and questioning. And that's, that's something we can all relate to, if we're being honest. We're much more prone to fear than we are to faith. And uh, maybe I can prove it to you when I talk a little bit about 2020. You want to talk about 2020? No, you don't want to talk about it. Too bad. You have to listen to it. In 2020, something that legitimately was um, to be feared showed up. Uh, we've all been acquainted with fear, doubt, trouble, and questioning um, since that year. For some of us, for some reason, us Americans thought the best way to deal with the fear that came through the COVID-19 virus was to ramp up political divisiveness and overreach, to charge up racial tensions, and to have a sexual revolution. In addition to those social realities, individually we decided to stock up on toilet paper, fix up our homes, and get into cryptocurrency, because it's gonna go big. You really are at the beginning stages, if you can get in right now. Don't, I'm, not, I'm not a finance guy, so I'm, I'm joking right now in case anybody's like, the pastor said it, and he taught Revelation last week. Bam, we got this. No, I don't know. Whatever. All the while, while those things were happening, everyone with big tech, big insurance, big pharma, and big healthcare power greedily jockeyed for more power and wealth, going mostly unchecked because COVID is a powerful justifying excuse. Merry Christmas, everyone. <laughs> Welcome to America. I know it's not everybody, but the fear that came to us through a virus has caused us all to do some things that we're not so proud of. And what I'm nervous about is this is two years later, you know, year and a half. And I just think fear is still in the driver's seat for a lot of us. Or at least we take turns letting fear drive and faith drive maybe if we're doing real good. Or we've just kind of got this low-grade fear that we've just kind of settled into and said, oh, it's okay. I'll just manage. Maybe this is the new normal that we live with. A little more fear. We try a little harder to be safe and secure. And, and I just am nervous that we as a church are letting fear do a little bit too much work in our lives and in our decisions. And uh, it's not the way we're meant to live. Jesus didn't come to us to help us manage our fears. He came to set us free. He came to teach us a better way, walking by faith, believing in his promises that they're more real and more sure than anything we could be facing in our lives. And I'm not saying that there aren't things to fear. There's really a lot to fear. Fear of being fooled, fear of being taken advantage of, fear of disease or death, fear of heartbreak or loneliness, fear of disappointment or failure, fear of bad guys and crooks, fear of missing the investment opportunity, fear of relational tension, 
Fear of being hated or rejected. Fear of bills or being homeless. We all have, a, there, there are a lot of things to fear. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. This guy, Kevin DeYoung, he's a pastor, and he says, fear is a crucial message in our day. The daily news doesn't get our attention by broadcasting good news. It gets eyeballs with bad news. Politicians get our support by stoking fear in what the other side will do if they win. Social media influencers hold our attention not by painting a balanced picture of possibilities and trade-offs, but by depicting a dystopian nightmare that once that, one, that were one wrong move, one disappointing election, or one disturbing trend away from. The truth is we can be fearful people, irrationally jumping to the worst possible conclusions, perversely relying on doomsday predictions to give us our emotional fix, unthinkingly forming our opinions and even our doctrines based on the loudest and latest jeremiads. So yes, faith over fear is a needed word for our day. Fear. It paralyzes, it polarizes, it divides, it destroys, it shrinks us, it demeans and belittles us and others. Fear narrows our vision. Fear lashes out often indiscriminately. Fear. It's a very human thing. It's a very natural response. And if we're not carry it, careful, it's the one driving the, the car that we're living in. And for Zachariah and Mary, as they felt, saw, experienced kind of heaven showing up, their instinct was to be afraid. But as we keep reading through the story, they were able to move from that place of fear to a place of faith. Something shifted, something was different. And, and the truth is, is when, when we think about fear, fear and faith, it's, it, it, people talk about they're the opposites, but, but the truth is fear and faith are really the same thing. They're the same ingredients. Fear is basically just believing the bad news. And faith is believing the good news. Fear is basically putting faith in what you're afraid of. And faith is basically putting faith in, in God and what he's promised to do. So they're not really opposites. They're, they're kind of the same thing. Does that make sense? You, you, you tracking with me there? That they occupy the same space in our soul. Or, or so sometimes it's mingled, but, but the goal is for, for faith to, to overcome, for fear to melt away in the love of Christ. But the, really, the opposite of fear is love. That's what the scripture teaches us, that perfect love casts out fear. But sad to say, and this is what we saw in the last couple of years, it works the other way too. Fear can cast out love. We've seen a lot of that in our society. And so let's look at the responses of Zachariah and Mary and see, see what we can learn from them. So though they had these responses, these fearful, unsure responses, um, turn with me. It's, it actually, it's kind of in that same, it's a big, huge chapter, 80 verses. So kind of going to stay in the same chapter. But in Luke 1, through 75, we have Zechariah's ultimate response in light of Jesus showing up. 
or heaven breaking in. Um, his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, praised be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come and redeemed his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he said through his holy prophets of long ago, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham, to rescue us from the hand of our enemies, to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. I love that phrase, to serve him without fear. So Zechariah, riddled with disappointment, decades and decades of heartbreak and disappointment, unanswered prayers, unfulfilled promises. And yet he is now in his old age, and, and this, is, this is just after John is born, and he's been silent that whole time, not nine months. You can do the math there. Um, he's been silent for that time. John is born, and on the eighth day, they go to have him circumcised, and they, and they ask him what, the, what his name is. And, and Elizabeth says his name is John, and all the relatives are like, no, you can't call him John. There's no John in our family. You gotta call him one of our names. And, and then they, they, they motion over to Zachariah, and they say, what should we call him? And he writes down John, and shows him John is what we wanna call him. And, uh, and as soon as that happens, he could speak. And, and now that he's got his voice, this is what he declares. He's gone from that place of fear and uncertainty to a place of full of faith. He's seen how his trial and his trouble has, has, has ultimately resulted in a testimony. And he testifies to the goodness of God and how God continues to show up for his people. And what he says is that what God is doing, he now knows, is to help us serve him without fear. This is the goal, that we might serve God without fear. And he taught that to his son, John the Baptist, who was a guy who was radical in the way he was committed to God and served the Lord without fear, even in the face of death. And then let's look at Mary's response as she gets to this place where she's no longer afraid. Um, Luke 1, 46 through, four, through 55 and Mary said this, and this is after she has, she has heard the word, she's, she's become pregnant, and, and she's going to visit Elizabeth because she's heard the Lord visit Elizabeth, and that's, her, that, that's a relative of her. So she goes to visit Elizabeth, and when they see each other, you know, these pregnant ladies see each other, boom, Elizabeth, like the baby starts doing flips and stuff inside her belly, and Elizabeth's like, whoa, and she knows something's going on, and then she's like, I know what you're saying is true, Mary, I know the angel told me what's happening, that you're gonna give birth to the Messiah, and Mary, who's just gone through all of this consternation, no one's gonna believe me, maybe no one has believed me, she tells her mom and dad, hey, I'm pregnant with God, and <laughs> they're like, what? Come again? You know, she's already lived in a society where as, as a Jew, she's got no rights under Roman oppression. As a woman, she's kind of got no rights under male oppression at that time. So she, she's just got no influence, no power, no leverage in any way, shape, or form. And now she's telling people she's pregnant, but she's still a virgin. And they're like, yeah, haven't heard that one before. And she's gone through, and she comes to Elizabeth, and Elizabeth, before Mary even has a chance to speak, is like, Mary, I know. I know. I know you're telling the truth. I know it's real. I know it's happening. And these two women, I don't know how 
They overcame all of the jaded heart situations they must have had, but they believed in the promise even before the babies were even born. They believed in the full promise. They believed that God loved them. And this is what Mary cries out. My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. Me. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, and he has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, even as he said to our fathers. This is what comes out of that same heart that was so troubled, that was questioning. She's now moved to this place where her heart is not afraid. And she cries out. And what caused her to not be afraid was because she really believed that God loved her. She says in here that he has been mindful of me, of my humble estate. And he hasn't turned away from me. But instead, he's filled me. He's come close to me. And from now on, all generations will call me blessed. What kind of statement of faith is that? Mary was like, you know what? 2,000 years from now, they're going to have a church service and be talking about me. Like this is what all of a sudden her troubled heart, her questioning heart was able to now come to a place where she was free of all kinds of fear and full of all kinds of faith. Believing that God was going to do what he promised to do. That God was going to take her five loaves and two fish of a life and do something wonderful. She was full of faith. And she wasn't afraid anymore. She wasn't afraid of what people were going to say. She wasn't afraid of what Joseph was going to do. She wasn't afraid of what could happen because she knew God loved her. That perfect love came and cast out fear. And Zechariah, same thing. That perfect love came and he said, now we can serve the Lord without fear. Martin Luther King Jr., who says some really good things. <laughs> He's pretty awesome what he does with words. But he said this, I love this so much. Fear knocked at the door, faith answered, and there was no one there. I'm gonna say that again, this is so good. Fear knocked at the door, but then faith answered, and there was no one there. The way Hebrews chapter 10 says it is this, but my righteous one will live by faith. And I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. Basically, fear and faith are really about the direction you're going to take your next step. Basically, we've got to come to a place where we read enough of the scriptures we spend enough time around the people of God sharing the stories of what God is doing that we start to see every single trial, test, or tribulation 
or trouble that we go through is just the, the opportunity. It's the beginning of a new testimony that God is wanting to work in our lives. And so we should go forth in faith and faithfulness without fear. Because God is good, you guys. When Jesus came, it was good news for all people forevermore. What we read, that Apostles' Creed, a lot of that stuff has already happened. A lot of those good news things in there have already happened, but some of them haven't yet. But just as sure as they happened when Jesus came at that point, they're going to happen when he comes again. And we've got to be a people that really wrestle out this fear, really work on this, make sure fear isn't driving. And that's, that's my fear in some ways, is that a bunch of people in the church are just kind of still living with that. And they've just accepted it as the new normal, and that's not what the Lord has for us. Um, for God did not give us a spirit of fear, 2 Timothy 1.7, but of power and love and a sound mind. This is what God wants to do in your lives. This is why Jesus came. He came in close to us. He visited us. He incarnated. He lived a perfect, sinless life, became the perfect, sinless lamb to die on that cross so that his perfect love could actually reach our hearts and set us free from all fear. Our only hope against the fear in this world, the fear that's in our hearts, is his perfect love. Let's pray. And when I say let's pray, I don't just mean sit and listen. I mean go for it. Start listening to see what Jesus the Spirit might be saying to you today. We're going to take communion all together in just a minute, but I just want to create a little space here for the Spirit to kind of do some work. Even though I walk through the valley of fear or the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you're with me. And Jesus, I pray that people right now who are in a valley of fear, Lord, that somehow right now through your voice, through your spirit, through the gifts, the manifestation gifts, through something, you would just let them know that you are here. You are with them. And he'd steal away their fear, Lord. Maybe it'd be good for you to tell the Lord what you're afraid of, just in a whisper. to try and meet with him right there in that spot.
And now maybe it's time to confess that Jesus loves you. To really do your best to try and say yes to the love of Christ. To really believe, maybe you need to speak it out in a whisper or so, that God loves me. He knows the number of hairs on my head. He is mindful of me, even in my lowly state. Lord Jesus, please help us move from fear to faith. Please allow your perfect love to break through all the walls we've set up around our hearts or all the disappointment that's left us calloused and jaded. Help us receive your love once again and find fear melting away. You've got the whole world in your hands, Jesus. None of this has been a surprise. And you know the way through. And you'll never leave us or forsake us. Forgive us for being afraid, for letting fear have too much say or too much place in our lives.